James chapter 4, and we're going to read the first 10 verses. James chapter 4, <coughs> verses 1 through 10. From whence come wars and fightings among you? This letter was written by James to Jewish Christians that had been scattered around the, the known world. It should never be said of Christians that there is warrings, wars and fightings among you. But unfortunately, sometimes there are wars and fightings among Christians. It goes on to say, Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members. These fights, these wars, they come from within us. Verse 2, ye lust and have not. Our lusts will never be fulfilled. The only thing that can fulfill us, it's not a thing, it's a person. It's Jesus. Ye kill. It's hard to believe that there was even murder among God's people. It's hard to believe that. But it says, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. That's a beautiful statement. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a beautiful promise as well. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he might draw an eye to, to you. Is that what it says? No, it says he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
And I pray your Holy Spirit would help me to preach. Lord, help me to be faithful to your word. Lord, help my message to be clear and understandable. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and that you'd use this message today. Speak to hearts. Lord, if there's someone not saved, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict them of their sin, of the forgiveness and righteousness they can find in Jesus, and that you would convict them of coming judgment, that we're going to die and stand before God. Please work in hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We entered this world in a sinful condition. We inherited our sin nature from our parents, who inherited their sin nature from their parents, who inherited their sin nature from their parents, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Romans 5.12 says exactly that. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Ephesians 2 and verse 3 says, We were by nature the children of wrath. We were by nature children of wrath. In this condition, we walked according to the course of the world. For the most part, we went with the flow. We went with the flow of the family environment we were born into. We went with the flow of religion we were born into. We went with the flow of morality we were born into. We went with the flow of the peer group that we ran around with who we hung out with. We were like our friends in so many ways. We went with the flow of worldviews that were popular. There are worldviews that are popular today that were not popular 20 years ago, 40 years ago, but they're popular now. And so a lot of people are just going along with those worldviews. We went with the flow of the culture we were born into. And that makes, um, makes you know, Metro Baptist Church and, and Burnaby and Vancouver, we, we have people from so many different cultures. Now, according to that passage in Ephesians, all of these cultures are influenced by the prince and the power of the air. They look different. They smell different. The food is different. And there may be some... Um, computer why'd you turn off <clears throat> there may be some you know very unique things to our culture but they are all influenced according to the bible by the prince and the power of the air sorry about this folks what happened okay we walked when we were going with the flow, we walked according to the prince, of power, the prince and the power of the air. The Bible says the spirit 
that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Whether we were aware of it or not, we walked according to the devil's wishes. Every unsaved person is influenced by the devil's agenda. This could be a test in our pluralistic society. Take a Bible with you to work on Monday and put it on the, put it on the top of your desk where people can see it. I bet you're going to get some looks. I bet you there's going to be some tension if you bring this black book with you to work. Okay? If you're, um, however, if you, if, if, if you wear Muslim attire and go to work on Monday, there probably won't be a lot of, a lot of tension because we live in a very pluralistic society. And, and, and as, as a society, we have been trained to accept everything and everyone. But you mentioned the name of Jesus. Ever, ever noticed when, when people have swear words at the work site? Um, Jesus is often a swear word. But I've yet to hear a Hindu god used as a swear word. Hindu gods and the devil, they go hand in hand. I've yet to hear someone yell out the name Allah as a swear word. Someone, construction worker hits their finger with a hammer. I, often you'll hear the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in the power of Jesus. And there is conviction in the name of Jesus. Because he is light. And he shines light on the sinfulness of the human condition. And so the devil doesn't, the devil's not upset if someone is religious and lost. Some, someone can be very moral and very religious, but they're trusting in themselves. They're trusting in their religious works. And you know, the devil is happy for them to go on the rest of their life being a good person and being religious and die and go to hell. He's equally as happy when, when, um, when someone embraces a false deity or a false Jesus. Oh, it makes the devil happy when, when someone gives their soul to, to the, the, the kingdom hall of Jehovah Witnesses. And they give their, they give their sincere effort to spread a message that Jesus isn't God and that there isn't a hell and only 144,000 people can go to heaven. But they do it with all of their might and with all of their sincerity. And guess what? The devil's happy. The devil's happy if someone has, has proclaimed themselves an atheist and they hate the mention of God. Oh, the devil's really happy with that. As long as we are following along in one of his lies, he is so very happy with us. Now, the devil, the Bible says, is a murderer, and he's a liar, and he's a thief. And guess what? The devil's, the devil's desire for every human being is that they end up in hell with him. And he wants to destroy people in this life. And he will. And, and, and if someone chooses a sinful lifestyle, they are going to reap 
um, destruction in their life. Now, when you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, a miracle happens inside of you. Your dead spirit becomes alive. The Bible uses the words quickened. The word quickened means made alive. It uses the word born again. It uses the word regeneration to describe this miracle that happens the moment you believe. Not only does your dead spirit receive life at that moment, but the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart. The Bible says that, that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise the moment you believe. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that you become the temple of the Holy Ghost. You become the tent where the Holy Spirit lives. And he is called the comforter in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. He is the comforter. He is a great comfort to those that believe. However, this is the, this is the bad news that goes with the good news. However, something else begins the moment you believe. A battle of epic proportions erupts in your inner being. James chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Even of your lusts that war in your members. Guess what? Before you accepted Jesus... Before the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you, guess what? There wasn't a resistance on the inside to the devil's ploys and the devil's work and the lusts of the flesh. You were just going with the flow. You were just going with the flow. Now, we all have a conscience that has been affected by, you know, how we were parented where we grew up, what circumstances we grew up around. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. But a lot of us were taught a lot of good things as children, even from unsaved parents. And, and so th th there is that conscience that will, you know, it will remind us that what we're doing is wrong. But you do not have a new spirit and you do not have the, the, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So often... Um, when you're, before you come to Christ, it, it, it doesn't really bother you to swear. It doesn't really bother you to, um, to indulge the eyes in, in sinful activities. It doesn't really bother you to, to, um, to, 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 to drink a bunch of alcohol and, and um, you know, lose your, your, your common sense and do foolish things. It really doesn't bother you. In, in fact, um, you had so much fun last Friday night, even though you end up, you know, throwing up and, and feeling miserable Saturday morning, you want to do it the next week, okay? But when, when you get saved, guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you have a new nature. And so now a battle begins. A battle begins. Amongst James's audience, there was much warring and fighting, 
they, they, they were driven by a covetous desire to have more. Anytime there is bitter envying and strife and wars and fightings among us or in your home, mark it down, there's a devilish influence. Now, the devil is not, um, he's not omniscient and he's not omnipresent, but he's not alone. The Bible teaches that when he fell from heaven, a third of the angels fell with him. And so the devil's at work, and he influences this world system. He influences the way we were raised. He influenced, he's influenced us in so many ways. And the Bible tells us right above there in James chapter 3 and verse number 14, it says, if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Verse 15 says, this wisdom descendeth not from above, doesn't come from God, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. The devil can't possess a Christian, but he and his demons and the influence he has on this world system and on the way we were raised and on the way we <clears throat> have grown up in this world, he can influence This verse teaches us that outward sins, the outward sin of warring and fighting, came from lusts that war in your members. When you believe on Jesus Christ, your flesh doesn't disappear. Your old nature, um, through the power of the flesh, is still present. We have a new nature, but we still have the influence of the old nature. Galatians 5 and verse 17 tells us the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. And the Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 7, he goes into a very descriptive um, explanation of the battle he faced as a Christian between his flesh and between the spirit. You know, he said such things as, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, in me dwelleth no good thing. This is after he's a believer. And so when you believe on Jesus Christ, you're not going to grow angel wings and be perfect. You're still going to have this old nature that you've got to do battle with. And it's a battle you haven't faced before because there was little resistance on the inside of you before you were saved. You definitely didn't have the Holy Spirit and you definitely didn't have a new nature. And so your old nature was quite content, whether it was alcohol you were pursuing, whether it was immorality that you were pursuing. Yes, sin brings death. Sin brings misery. Um, but this inner battle wasn't there. Because there was no resistance. Verse 2 tells us, um, ye, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, ye fight and war, ye, ye have not, because ye ask not. We can learn from this verse that God wants to meet our needs. 
God wants to meet the need of, needs of our heart. He doesn't want us trying to satisfy the needs of our heart by our own fighting and warring and clawing. and No, he wants to satisfy those needs. In Hebrews, the Bible tells us in 13, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, let your conversation, let your lifestyle, let your life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Be content with what you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He has taken up residence. The Bible tells us that we've become his child. The Bible says that the bride of Christ is us, the body of believers. We are his bride. He is our husband. And as as our father and as our husband, he wants to care for the needs of every one of us. And if we don't have a need met, God says it's because we haven't asked. He desires to meet our needs. But notice the next verse. It says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Here is a, here is a prayer principle. God doesn't answer lust-driven prayers. Now, sometimes it may, it may be hard to distinguish if this is a lust-driven prayer or if it is a sincere need that you need the Father to satisfy in your life. You know, the Bible tells us to, to, to bring all our cares and all our requests to Him. But if it's, if it's truly a lustful um, worldly type request, it says God's not going to answer it if, if our desire is just to consume it upon our lusts. Now, just take a bracket here and, and, and on these ideas of, of following after our lusts, a Christian can follow after their lusts. Even though we're God's children, we can follow after our lusts. And seeking to fulfill our lusts never satisfies. Our lusts always lead to bondage and destruction. You can see this back in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. You can't blame your sin on the devil. And you can't blame your sin on God. But if we choose to sin, it's going to bring, it's going to bring death. It's going to bring destruction. It doesn't bring good things. If we follow after the lusts of our flesh, it's not a pretty picture. Notice verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away. Now, the devil can be involved in that drawing away process. The world system can be involved in that drawing away process. 
but it says we are drawn away of our own lusts and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And what God wants us to do is deal with these lusts before they're conceived into sin. You can't eradicate the lusts of your heart. You can't eradicate your flesh. It's going to be there. But are you going to love your flesh? Are you going to love those lusts? Or are you going to, with the Holy Spirit's help, with the Word of God's help, with the Church of God's help, are you going to, with the, are you going to fight against those lusts so that they don't control you? Galatians chapter 6 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Even if you're a Christian, if you sow to your flesh, it's going to bring a corrupt harvest. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Are you planting fleshly things in your life? Or are you planting godly things in your life? It says, let us not be weary. Now this is a war between your flesh and your spirit. And the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Sometimes the battle is stronger than other times. But God says, don't quit fighting. Don't quit planning the right things. It will bring a good harvest. Don't surrender to the lusts of your flesh. The devil is a murderer and a liar. But before conversion, there was little conflict in our soul because we were going with the flow. But after conversion, a war begins on the inside of us. Our dear friend, um, Brother Bonner, um, he wrote on Facebook this last week, our conversion to Jesus Christ begins a lifelong battle with the flesh. It is not removed once and for all until we put on that glorified body waiting for the believer after we die. The Bible tells us that the flesh lusts against the spirit. When we are born again, our old nature does not disappear. Instead, our new nature is introduced to the old nature and the struggle begins. The two of them battle to the death daily. The old nature cries out, me, mine, while the new nature is replying, his, others. We love our spiritual experiences and even boast in them. Our victory is in Christ and him alone. There is no shortcut to the victorious life. You can't circumnavigate this battle with your flesh. You say, but it's hard. But we have all that we need to win the battle. Galatians 1.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Here in James chapter 4, we also see in verse 4 the relational wound that happens to the heart of God when we yield to the lusts of our flesh. Now, God's heart doesn't grieve if we fight that battle with the Holy Spirit's help, with the word of God's help, and win. He rejoices and he celebrates when we win that battle, when we are loyal to him instead of being loyal to the flesh and the fleshly system that we were saved out of. And verse 4 tells us that if we're living a flesh-driven life, if we are yielding to our flesh and obeying our flesh, you know what God calls us? Unfaithful. God calls us an adulterer. He is our, he is the groom. We are the bride. And if we, if we listen to the devil and if we listen to our flesh and we follow after the, 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 the sinful course of this world, the father says that the, the the Lord says that we are like an adulterer. We're not his friend. We're an, we're an adult. You say, but pastor, I'm God's friend. I love God. But if we're serving our flesh, we're, we're committing spiritual adultery. In 1 John chapter 2, it tells us to love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the, passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. These lusts that war inside of us, it could be a lust of the flesh. That would be any type of sexual perversion. Anything that is outside the marriage relationship. That's where God created sex for. But any type of expression outside of that, pornography, adultery, any type of sexual um, behaviors that are, that are deemed wrong in the word of God. That's a lust of the flesh. How about the lust for ease? You know, that, that's something that in, in our culture we battle with. We, we haven't had much hardship in Canada. And so when things aren't easy, our flesh revolts. Our flesh wants it easy. It's a lust of the flesh. A lust of the flesh could be you know, the inappropriate use of food. You know, there's an appropriate amount of calories that we should eat, and there's an inappropriate. Now, that's not a legalism. Um, you know, if, if the book says you should only have 2,533 calories, you haven't sinned if you have 34 calories, okay? Um, but, you know, you know I, I, I saw someone on TV the other day, they were eating three times the amount of normal calories they should have, like 8,000 calories a day. Well, you know, you're feeding your flesh. Your flesh is winning. 
And um, God says we, we need to be controlled by him, not by our flesh. How about the lust of the eyes? Some people are consumed with the almighty dollar or, or they're consumed with things. Um, they love things more than they love people. Or um, maybe physical beauty, the lust of the eyes. It's, it's all about appearance. It's all about appearance. How about the pride of life? That desire to be in charge. The desire to control. Um, you know, the pride of life comes out in this inordinate desire for fame. To be noticed. Or it could even come out in anger. Anger. We don't get our way, so we're going to blow our top. We're going we're to give everybody a piece of our mind. Because of that lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And anytime we're operating, following after those lusts, and the list could be exhaustive. Those are just the ones that came to my mind. But God says, it breaks my heart. It wounds my heart. You're not my friend when you're following after the flesh that wars inside of you. And guess what? If we follow our flesh, I, I, I saw in this hymn, um, in verse number three, it says, early let us turn to thee. Early let us turn to thee. This, this battle is going to be there, but God wants us to early turn to him. The Holy Spirit will, 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 will remind you that you're sinning. Your Bible reading will remind you that you're, that, you're, that you're following after something that's destructive. And early turn back to God. But if you don't early turn back to God, guess what? You're going to get farther and farther and farther away from God. Now you're God's child if you've believed. If you've repented and trusted Christ, you're his child. It never changes but the closeness of your relationship is harmed. But you know what? There's great good news. There's great good news. There's great good news in this passage. In verse number six, he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. You know, the devil would like you to believe the lie that you've gone too far. You're too messed up. He'll never take you back. Or you're past the point of repair. But the Bible says, he giveth more grace. This is right after he's talking to adulterers and adulteresses. People that have followed after their lusts away from God. They're no longer a friend of God. They're saved, but they're no longer God's friend. They've been an unfaithful friend. But God says, he giveth more grace. It makes me think of the prodigal in Luke chapter 15. He wanted his inheritance early. He took it from his father. He walked away and he lived a riotous life. Drinking and partying and women and just squandered everything his father gave him. He ended up with the pigs. And when he was eating with the pigs that he was feeding, he came to himself and he realized, I got to return to my father. 
He didn't return with a proud heart. He returned with a humble heart. He said, I am no longer, I, I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the beautiful thing is, when, when the father saw the prodigal coming, he ran to him. He giveth more grace. He wasn't standing there going, well, you better crawl on broken glass all the way up the road. And you better promise to pay back all that money you wasted. And you better call all the relatives and say what a worthless son you are. You know, what the father did was he threw a party. And he celebrated that his son returned. He gave him more grace. If you get away from God, there's only one thing that will keep you from coming back to God. And that's pride. God says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. How do you come back to God? We're running out of time. But there's some, there's some very simple instructions here. In verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Obey God. You've gone away from God. He wants to give you grace. The first step back, submit to God. Just do what God says. You say, that's a lot of things to do. Well, do everyone you can remember. Submit yourself to God. Number two, resist the devil. How do you fight against the devil? Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he faced the devil with the word of God. You fight the devil, he's a liar. You fight the devil with truth. And your mind is the battlefield. You've got to fill that mind with truth. And even when your mind is, is fighting against you, fighting against everything God is, you need to stand up with God's truth and fight the devil. It may be a battle. It may be a knockdown drag out. It may not go away. The devil may not flee right away. But the Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And then it says, draw nigh to God. Well, hey, we've been learning on Sunday mornings from Pastor Tyler. How do you draw nigh to God? You read your Bible. You pray. Read your Bible and pray. Spend time with God. Spend extra time with God. Just read your Bible and pray. He say, well, I'm not feeling anything. Read your Bible and pray. The feelings will come. Read your Bible and pray. Pastor Bonner said, um, his father-in-law, when he got saved, told him, there's two times to pray, when you feel like it and when you don't. And there'll be a lot of times you don't feel like it. Well, that's that battle with the flesh. Draw nigh to God. And what is the promise? I will. He will draw nigh to you. As you get close to God, what is he going to do? He's going to show you your sins. And what do we do then? Look what it says. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. He wants to cleanse your hands. Those are the things you do. And he wants to cleanse your heart. That's where the things you do come from. And we have beautiful promise. 
if we confess our sins, <coughs> he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses, confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And then it says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. And let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And the closer you get to God, the more your heart will realize. The more your heart will be affected. The more you'll realize the, the, um, the relational offense that your sin is to God. And it'll break your heart. And what does God say? Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. He's going to pour grace out on you. He's going to, some, of those, some of those songs we sang today, you know, you might want to take the song sheet out and sing that at home. Sing some of those words at home. They will encourage you because those songs talk about God pouring out his grace on us. And guess what? His grace will lift you up. His grace will lift you up. This battle rages in every Christian. Take the words of Savior like our shepherd lead us and early turn to him. Your heart turns a little ways away from God. Turn back to God quick. But if you ever find yourself away far away from God, remember, he giveth more grace. And there's a way back. There's a way back. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Draw an eye to God. Confess your sins. Mourn and weep. And guess what? He will lift you up. He will lift you up. And I hope that this message is an encouragement to your heart this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Um, we'll have our invitation time. Um, is your heart far from God? You can be a churchgoer, but get a long way away from God. The Bible says you can get away from God and your heart can become hard. You don't really feel anything. But guess what? You can still get close to God if you just come with a humble heart. And so we're going to have some music play. We're going to stand to our feet. The altar is here. I would encourage you to come. You know, even if you're close to God, you just want to thank him for his grace, his goodness. Come to the altar and pour out your heart to him. But if you're far from God, Christian, take the step like the prodigal took. And the Heavenly Father will be running to you to pour out his grace on you.